0: The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org.
1: Just as it's been a privilege to be here with Tim and with James, I now have the privilege of introducing our speaker. I'm going to ask Ryan to come on up. Y'all got to hear him at prayer time. Ryan Murphy's our missions pastor. He and his wife, Megan, served for about five years in England together. Before that, Megan was serving in England, and Ryan was serving in Thailand for a couple of years. And then before that, Ryan was here as a college intern and part of our missions group at TBC, a group that he now leads. And so as as we uh, talk about our last core value Today, I was privileged to hear this message in the earlier hour, and I'm so excited for you as Ryan speaks to you from the Word of God about mission, as we understand it at TBC. So let me pray for Ryan as well. God, thank you for this man. Thank you for his wife, Megan. Thank you, Lord, for how it's their delight to share not just the gospel, but their very lives with us as a church. Thank you, Lord, for their love for the nations, and God, for how you've used them when they are in Thailand and England to magnify You, and now You've called them back here to magnify You. So God, as Ryan teaches from Your Word, Lord, I pray, God, that the Word would come to us, not in Word only, but in power with full conviction that Your Holy Spirit would be all over this message, and that You would open our hearts, our minds, our lives to hear and understand and joyfully obey You, your Lord of everything, and we give You praise today. In Jesus' name,
0: Amen. 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 Well, I'm one of few on the staff now that had the privilege of doing morning announcements, spare time, and the sermon, so hopefully you're not tired of seeing me already. But I have been told I have a nice voice, so just don't let it uh, lull you to sleep this morning. Um, As Chase mentioned, my name is Ryan, and I have the privilege of serving at this church as our global outreach pastor and it was a short 15 years ago that I sat over there as a college student exploring, is this the church that I want to be at? And it was not long before I knew that it was the church I wanted to be at. And one of those primary reasons was because of the preaching that I heard from this very stage that I now stand on. And so this, this is a big responsibility, and it's a really cool thing for me in my career. This, this feels like the pinnacle and so I'm really hoping that I don't fumble it like the Dallas Cowboys did last weekend. <laughs> and I was really hoping that I was going to get to say after that joke, like, go Texans, but alas, they too fumbled the ball. Um, now, I'm, I'm really not much of a sports guy, so I'll be up front. That was my one sports analogy uh, this morning. I was in the marching band back in high school. So, um, yeah, last hour we got more cheers than that, so... There's a few less marching band alum in the room. Um, Anyways, we have spent the last couple weeks looking at our core values. Two weeks ago, Chase looked at our value of surrender. Last week, Dave, our value of community. And this week, I'm excited that I get to share with you our value of mission. This uh, church has provided for me a foundation of what it means to be missional, and God's heart for the world. And it's a fundamental reason that my family and I have chosen to be a part of this church. And it's, it's the reason I am honored to serve in the role that I do. I want to begin this morning um, with a quote that I recently read um, by a well-known missionary named William Carey. He says this, It is the duty of those who are entrusted with the gospel to endeavor, to make it known among all nations. I'm going to read that again. It is the duty of those who are entrusted with the gospel to endeavor, to make it known among all nations. So if you're in this room and you say you are a follower of Jesus, you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have been entrusted with that gospel message And Mr. Carey says that it is your duty, your responsibility, that you are endeavoring to see that the gospel reach all nations. Now, I'm going to venture some guesses as to what might have been your response to that quote just now as you heard it, because I think some in the room may have felt slight opposition to that, and you thought, well, that's actually not my responsibility, and isn't Isn't that like a special, unique calling that God puts on your life to to go to the nations? Some of you may have felt completely overwhelmed hearing that because you don't really know what that looks like, or maybe you feel ill-equipped to do so. And then there are some in the room that agree wholeheartedly with that statement and are saying, amen, amen, amen. No matter what your starting point is this morning when we consider missions, We as a church really value at the start of every year walking through this core value of ours because we consider it an incredible responsibility and privilege that we have the opportunity to participate in the mission of God. We're gonna be spending most of our morning looking at Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 through 20, otherwise well known as the Great Commission. of the age. Now, I'm the kind of person that just likes to know where it is we're headed. So over the next several minutes, we're going to be looking at these four main points. The first is all authority. The next is all nations. The third is all that I have commanded. And the fourth, always with you. I read this story once of two brothers who were going camping for the first time and they were super excited. And so when they got to camp, that spirit of adventure overcame them. They dashed out of the car, ran straight to the woods to explore. And before long, they stopped and realized that they had gotten themselves lost. They did not know which way camp was. And so conveniently, these brothers stopped by a nearby hill. And so the older brother took off up that hill the younger brother shouting behind him, where are you going, what are you doing? And the older brother explained as they reached the top that he remembers when they arrived at camp that he saw a water tower near them. And so he thought if he could just get to higher ground and locate that water tower, they'd be able to reorient themselves and know which direction it is that they were to be headed. And so when I think about missions, I think at times we can feel lost. And directionless. And so, shall we take higher ground and look in the Word of God and see what is our water tower? Where are we as the church meant to be headed? Revelation 7 9 says this After this, I looked and behold, A great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. So it's talking here about a great multitude that no one could number. But what I want to specifically emphasize to you is that this multitude existed of people from all nations, tribes, and languages, when we ask ourselves what direction are we meant to be headed in as the church, it's this, this is our water tower. For this multitude to exist, the gospel has to have reached all people, all nations, tribes, and languages. What I also want you to notice here is where this multitude is standing, for it said that they stood before the throne and before the Lamb. When all is said and done, it is Jesus that we will stand before and worship. Now, I know we can look left and right and we see it in our culture today, there is a shift away towards respecting and honoring authority. But here it says that all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. So he is not the authority that we are meant to challenge but rather it's our submission to his authority that plays a huge part in our witness to the world around us. And although this verse does speak about a future day, the reality that we face every day is that we wake up and we stand before a throne. And sometimes we put someone other than Jesus or something other than Jesus in its place Jesus is not always the object of our worship. Sometimes we put our family there, we put our spouse there, we put our kids there, we put our desire to be married there, we put our jobs and our careers or that promotion or pay raise. And often we put money there. And all of those are just examples from my own life. But Revelation is clear. That throne is reserved for the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. He is the source of our surrender. He is the center of our community, and He is the message of our mission. His honor and His glory are the very reasons that we live and breathe. And I want you to hear that a misplaced authority in our lives will render us inactive and ineffective in the mission of god so who or what is sitting in your throne is a really good question that we ought to be asking ourselves on a daily basis so jesus in his authority says this go and make disciples of all nations i'm going to read to you a mission statement of a well-known business that you might know and i'm curious upon hearing it if you'd be able to guess who this mission statement belongs to it says this they desire to and they strive to be america's best quick service restaurant at winning and keeping customers oh i heard it that mission statement belongs to our beloved chick-fil-a and i know you hear chick-fil-a And now you're thinking about that delicious chicken sandwich and those uh, incredible nuggets with your favorite dipping sauce and their waffle fries. But the sad reality is that it's Sunday and you can't go there for lunch today. You have to go tomorrow. But I bring up the business that really shouldn't be brought up on a Sunday because I believe that they are doing a really, really good job at fulfilling their mission And I know this personally because this time last year, I was employed by that incredible company. And in my time there, this mission permeates everything that they do there. Everything they do is with you, the customer, in mind. And I know they've won you as a customer because it wasn't many times of the day that there wasn't a long line in that drive-through. And even when you go to a Chick-fil-A and there is a long line, it never deters you from choosing something different. You get in that line because you know you're going to get through it really quickly. You're going to be greeted by an employee who cares for you and shows you a smile. And then they're going to serve you that delicious food every single time. And so what about the church? If our mission is all, all nations, all, uh, all nations, all tribes, languages, and people... How are we as the church doing in the mission? It's important to note here that when we're talking about the word nation, it's best uh, translated into every ethne or people group. And so don't think so much about the geopolitical nations that we know in our world today, but rather think of a distinct people group of people that share a common language or a common culture. So in our 8 billion world population, there exist um, 17,000 people groups. That's a lot of people groups, 17,000 of them. And of that 17,000, 7,250 of them are considered to be unreached which totals to be about three billion people in our world. Now the term unreached simply means that these people have little to no access to the gospel, which means that there isn't a church or a single believer among them to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. Three billion people. Most of these people live within what's called the 1040 window. So the 10 and the 40 refer to the lines of latitude, and they create that box there, which includes parts of Northern Africa, the Middle East, India, and Southeast Asia. So 3 billion people in our world are unreached. So what has been the response of the church of this incredible need? Well, 1.7% of money that is given to the church by the church for overseas work, 1.7% of that is currently going to the unreached places of our world, which means that 99% of money given for overseas mission by the church is going to reached areas of our world. And of the people who say yes to going overseas and serving God in another place, 2.7% of those people are going to the unreached which means 98% are going to the reached areas of our world. Now, I want you to hear that um, there is a disparity going on. And although we need those people in reached areas of the world for the work of the church needs to be sustained, there is a disparity going on. And the reality that we face as the church is that the majority of our resources, people and money, just aren't going to the mission, all people, all nations, all tribes and languages. And I had to highlight for you this morning that need because it's urgent. I mean, do you feel the weight of that? Three billion people in our world today remain in darkness. And I'm talking like dark, dark. Like there isn't a single light around them to provide any kind of light around them. They are in total darkness. And we as the church have... The responsibility to respond to that need very urgently. And a simple way that we can respond to that is through prayer, to pray for the unreached people of our world. Luke 10, 2 says that we are to pray to the Lord of the harvest, to send more workers to the field, for the, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The last few weeks as we've done our core value study, we have extended an invitation to you that on the following Monday you would consider praying and fasting with us as a church around the core value that we just studied. And so my invitation to you again is that tomorrow you would consider praying and fasting and that your prayer time would be focused on the unreached people of our world, that God would send laborers into that plentiful harvest and that we would see that number diminish very, very quickly. But would you also consider adding that into a regular rhythm of your life that you would regularly pray for the unreached people of our world? And I know that feels heavy, so I want to encourage you because TBC is working towards this. This church has historically been and continues to be an incredibly generous church. You may have heard at some point that 20% of every dollar that's given within our body is going to overseas missions. And from that generosity, we have been able to send and support numerous missionaries. Currently, we're supporting about 40 units, so either singles or individuals, or singles and families. And they're working among 22 different nations, some of which are in that 1040 window. So TBC deeply cares about the gospel spreading to the corners of the earth. So the one and all authority has commanded us to go though. So we simply cannot let the fact that we are a part of a very generous church that is giving towards this need be the extent, the sole extent of our going. Might God want to expand the ways in which we each are playing a part in his mission? For he is the source of our surrender. He is the center of our community, and he is the message of our mission. Verse 20 continues and says, Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. For me, this is where you really begin to see some of the overlap that our core values have with one another. You see, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded implies that we ourselves know what it is that we have been commanded to do. And so it's within a personal surrender to Jesus and your relationship with him and the context of a community that is pushing you towards the likeness of Jesus that we get to learn and practice the ways of God there is a clear expectation that we as followers of Jesus are living out all that we are commanded so that we can teach those around us to be disciples of Jesus. Us as ministry leaders here at this church, we really value Ephesians 4 as we see it as our primary responsibility. Ephesians four eleven and 12 says this, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. It is our greatest desire to equip you, the saints, for the work of the ministry. Why? Because Jesus has commanded us to go and make disciples right here and among the nations. So I mentioned to you earlier that I was in the marching band. These are not stock photos. I am in that triangle there. And yes, that is me. And I know you're all wishing that you got to be in the band so that you could have had a really cool senior portrait like that. But I have always had a love of music, um, and and learning and playing an instrument for me was an immense joy. And then I learned that marching band counted as P.E. credit, and so it was a (laughs) no-brainer to do it. (laughs) So yes, I loved my years in the marching band, um, but when I joined, the expectations were very, very clear. There was the expectation that we would be present at all practices, that we would be committed to learning and practicing and memorizing our music, and that we would endure that black, hot asphalt parking lot that we learned our drill on in August in Texas. But really, the expectation was that we would show up, we'd work really hard, and that we would play our hearts out. And all of those practices and those hours put in led up to our halftime performances and the contests that we would compete in. And every single time, I loved getting to perform. But if you'll allow me to be a little vulnerable with you and share with you something that not many people know, because now the 930 service knows, that during those performances, I often marched, but I didn't play. And I know to the 10 of you in the room that were also in marching band, I've just revealed to you that I'm one of those people. But you see, I just didn't think it was that big of a deal. You see, I was one in a a 220-person marching band, so I just didn't think it was that important that I played and that I would rather focus on marching because turning early or late or in the wrong direction, that was a visible mistake. And so I focused on marching, and I often didn't play. But over the years, as this has been one of my life's nagging regrets, I've had time to think about that, And what I've realized is that my line of thinking back then just simply breaks down. Because I may have been one of 220 in that band, but I was probably one of 10 alto saxophones. And if you know anything about how a piece of music is composed, if half of us alto saxophones decided that we weren't going to play in only March, Do you think that you would have been able to hear the part that was written specifically for the alto saxophones? Probably not. Would you have gotten the gist of the music? Yes, and the performance would have gone on. But every part is important because each part adds a richness to the piece, a harmony to the melody, or even a strength to the ensemble. You see, God has so graciously extended to all of us an invitation to play a part in the beautiful piece of music that He is composing. And some of us are only marching. God has uniquely made each and every one of you, all with different perspectives, passions, personalities, and possessions that he has always intended for you to use for his purposes, for his mission. So when it comes to the mission of God, are any of you in this room just marching and not playing? Are you actively playing the role that God created you to play, or are you just marching along? Because here at TBC, we want to equip you for the work of the ministry, and we want you to play your part with a great confidence. Because whether you realize it or not, when you said yes to following Jesus, you joined the marching band. And we all have music to learn and a drill to march and a song to share with the whole world saying yes to Jesus, adopted you into the people of God. And the people of God have been chosen to be a light in the world. We are a people for his possession. So are you serving somewhere? Maybe as a greeter or on the hospitality team or in Launchpad or Overflow Do you always leave a seat open at your small group for that person who is desperately looking for a place to belong and connect? Or are you aware of what's going on in our community? Are you serving faithfully in organizations that we partner with as a church? And do you pray for the nations? Are you praying for the lost? Are you praying for our goers that have gone overseas? Are you praying for them? All authority has been given to Jesus, and he has commissioned all of us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to observe all that he has commanded. He is the source of our surrender, the center of our community, and the message of our mission. And I understand aspects, or maybe all of that, feels incredibly overwhelming. But for me, that is the beauty of this last verse. He says, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Isn't Jesus kind? He's tasked us with a mission that at times feels impossible, yet he's promised that he is with us. He is right there in the trenches, in the thick of it, with us. Have no fear, Jesus is here. He is the very reason that we can go because he goes with us. So how is this possible? Well, it's through the promise of the Holy Spirit that we've been given. For when we put our true faith in Christ, scripture says that in that moment, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside us. You see, God loves each of us so much that he sent his son to bear on his shoulders our punishment. And so not only has God provided a way for us to be reconciled to him through the sacrifice of his son, he's also promised us that he is with us to the end of the age. In John 14, Jesus says this, and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. So if you're in this room this morning and you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then hear this incredible reminder that the spirit of truth lives in you. And so the invitation is to go boldly then clinging to that promise that he is with you Till the end of the age. I also think that Jesus says these words because he is fully aware of all that we will endure as we endeavor to make, God, uh, make disciples of all nations. You see, the reality that we face is that when we say yes to Jesus and actively join him in his mission, is that we declare war against the enemy, against our adversary. The adversary that would love nothing more than to see those three billion people in our world remain in darkness. The adversary that would love nothing more to see you put something else or someone else on that throne that belongs solely to Jesus. Or Or the adversary that wants to see you be ineffective, not participating in the mission of God. So can we declare this morning that we are not going to let that happen. We are going to be a people that are sacrificially living, choosing daily to pick up our cross, die to ourselves for the sake of the gospel. It's a new year, so my wife and I are trying to get better rhythms again, and so we have started doing a morning devotional with our kids. And last week we were reading one, and it just felt like, This really fits here as we end our time together. It said this. Expect surprises. When you live your life with Jesus, no day will ever be boring or predictable. Don't take the easiest path. Don't just get through the day. Live it. Be willing to follow Jesus wherever he leads, even when his way seems scary. The safest place to be is by his side. His way isn't the easiest, his way will be hard, but it is not a mission impossible. May we be a church that sees and responds to the daily opportunities God is putting before us to love our neighbor and love the nations. And may we be a church that is praying fervently for the unreached people of our world, and maybe even consider going ourselves. And may we be a church that is choosing community, that we be unified in Christ as the surrendered people of God, clinging to the promise that he is with us till the end of the age. Will you pray with me? Lord, you are good and worthy of our praise. We desire nothing more to be your hands and feet here in temple, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our schools, and to the furthest corners of this globe. So Lord, would you reveal in us the ways in which we aren't fulfilling all that you desire to do within us and through us? Would you give us a vision for the work you are personally inviting each of us into? Lord, would you have your way in us? We pray all of these things in your son, Jesus' name. Amen.